Alexa, play that Amazon ads podcast. Which one would you like to hear? The best one. Okay, now playing that Amazon ads podcast. These gentlemen are completely changing the game. After listening to that Amazon ads podcast, my ads are finally profitable. I also heard they're pretty cute. Welcome back, everyone, to that Amazon Ads podcast. I'm Steven. And I'm Andrew. And we are here to talk about Amazon Ads, obviously, name of the show. So hopefully that did not take anyone by surprise. Andrew, how are you doing on this fine afternoon? Doing well. Doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. I just saw uh, there's a bunch of stuff trending. I guess the U.S. government uh, only barely did... They basically said that there are aliens is kind of what was going on. They didn't outright say it, but they kind of said that they confirmed that there are UFOs and that they recovered non-human organic matter from them. What do you think about that? Um, do you believe in aliens? I tend to, I thought, I thought that they already, I thought we already knew that they were real, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I actually was in the dark on this. This is the first I'm hearing of this news. Uh, I've been out of the loop of current events lately, so I haven't oh, you actually didn't see heard any this. Of those videos? I no. didn't see any of this. I don't know. I, like, do you have videos of the aliens, or it's just like a video of like a, a hearing, There's or some, what is it? I, I saw a clip. Yeah, there was like a, a hearing in some court, and someone was like questioning. I don't know if it was NASA or what, but they were like questioning like the Area 51 officials, and they were like, "Can you?" say if you found organ or if you found alien remains in the crashed ufo and they're like we cannot confirm nor deny that and they're like well, can you <laughs> and then they said well That's was there they said was there like non-human organic matter in the craft and they said there was non-human organic matter in the craft hmm. do you believe it though do i mean they could have just planted, they get... just planted <laughs> dog remains or something yeah. Are we going to get uh, banned on YouTube if we if we uh, dig into this topic too much further? I don't know, man. Maybe. Who would have thought, you know, that Amazon ads podcast gets a strike on YouTube for misinformation? I know. <laughs> <laughs> my my suspicion is it's all just kind of a distraction from bigger issues at hand. You know, I oh, we both like Bill Burr and he had this one joke <laughs> where he was saying he was like, listen, People always get upset with the conspiracy theorists and he says, listen, I don't believe in all conspiracy theories, but like you don't believe in some conspiracy theories. Like you think the government's just always telling you the truth. Like, come on. And I think that's a good point. I I think the anyways, that's not the topic of this uh, conversation. Enough about (laughs) aliens. Andrew, what is what? Oh, this is kind of a good segue. segue. Speaking of alien things, what is today's topic? (laughs) <laughs> it is a bit of a uh, esoteric concept, a topic. Uh, we're going to be talking about the sixth sense of Amazon PPC managers. And it's that sixth principle that we brought up earlier in the first you know, five episodes that we did. We broke down, uh, or actually, wait, this is the first episode that we did. We did like five keys to success. This is our sixth key to success, the sixth principle that you need to succeed with Amazon ads. So we're going to be talking about yeah. that, diving into that today. Yeah, not super. I mean, the, the movie The Sixth Sense is about like ghosts, so not quite. I actually haven't aliens. seen that. Oh, it's a good movie. 
you would really like it. But yeah, the sixth sense, this is something that just over the past few weeks, I was thinking about how important this would be and how this really should have been one of our like five key principles, but that episode already aired. So we'll just do the, the sixth principle, talking about the sixth sense of Amazon PPC managers. And the more I think about it, Andrew, this is really something that I think makes or breaks a good Amazon PPC manager. This is, uh, you know, SOPs can only take you, for people that don't know, standard operating procedures, basically just a set of rules and guidelines for people to, to follow on a team. SOPs can only take you so far. The best ad managers out there are going to be able to kind of break away from the SOPs and use their own sense, use their own judgment to make decisions kind of, you know, mentally they need to understand all of the facts, the bigger picture and boil that down to a single decision. And we kind of have four different, I guess, uh, spectrums is kind of the best way to think about this. But uh, a lot of times when we're optimizing things, we need to look at things as a spectrum, not necessarily just like a, oh yeah, use automation, don't use automation, or yeah, use 30 days or use seven days. But we have to view all of these decisions as a spectrum and there are pros and cons to each side of the spectrum. And as an ad manager, your job is to understand where on that spectrum you're going to fall when you're doing your optimizations this week versus next week. It's going to change a little bit every time. So, I mean, what, what, are, is there anything else, Andrew, that you want to like add to that? Just talking about this intuition that PPC managers yeah. need to know before we actually dive into kind of the different topics, subtopics. I think intuition is a really good word for it. And that's really kind of what all of these topics that we're going to touch on today really are kind of encompasses all of them. It's having an intuition and intuitive feel for the account that you're going to be working in, knowing which levers to pull, how hard to pull them, which, um, you know, scenarios, which date ranges to use, whether you should be using AI automation, automating your bids on certain campaigns or not. Um, I think, this comes down to thinking for yourself, which is one of the core five principles that we talked about in the very beginning, which is learning how to think and how to make observations of a full picture, a gamut of, of different inputs that you're taking in to choose whether or not you're going to use one thing over another or at, to what intensity or what uh, lack of intensity you're going to be deploying certain things. So I'm excited to dig into this. This will be an interesting discussion, um, kind of laying out the different ends of the spectrum across a variety of different categories. So let's uh, dig into this. Yeah, let's dive in. All right, so we have four different spectrums here that we wanna talk about where there's a left side, there's a right side, and we wanna land somewhere in between. If we go to the extremities of either side, we're probably going to get into trouble. And so neither side is, if you go to the extreme of either side of any of these spectrums, you're in trouble. The sweet spot, the answer is gonna be somewhere between where that sweet spot ultimately is, can change from week to week, from client to client. So this is where your job as a manager is to use your intuition, use that sixth sense to make the right decision. So the four different spectrums that we're gonna be talking about are number one, we have going full automation solutions versus full manual with absolutely no automation whatsoever. The second spectrum is the date range or the time frame selection, going long time frame, short time frame. The third one is giving Amazon full control versus you giving Amazon no control and taking 100% of the control into your own hands. And the fourth and final is over aggregation versus over segregation 
in your account. So Andrew, going back up to that first one, I think it's really timely that we're doing this, especially coming right off of that debate that we did last week. If anyone hasn't heard it, please go back and listen to episode 11, debating the topic of AI versus manual controls with Amazon. Really fascinating debate with uh, uh, Safe and Mina, two, two experts on the subject. But Andrew, why don't you kind of take us through that that full automation versus full manual, how to think through like the pros and cons of each side and and how people can determine what's what's right for them. Yeah, great transition from the AI debate where we didn't reveal any of our bias or show any of our bias towards which end of the spectrum we tend to fall towards or lean towards and kind of favor. Uh, the, in this video, we, we, might, <laughs> we, might, we might share a little more of our bias there and kind of show which way we lean, uh, whether we lean a little more to the right or the left. So um, yeah, so automation versus is full manual. Um, let's break down kind of the pros and cons of each. So for automation, some of the biggest benefits that you get are that you save a lot of time. You have something running in the background managing your bids. You don't have to go in and constantly be making manual bid changes. And another pro would be that it's potentially, not always, uh, more sophisticated than what you could incorporate in manual bid optimization. So you could potentially incorporate a wide array of factors that are going into your optimizations and decision-making on how you're changing your bids based on a multitude of factors. Whereas with manual optimizations, you may just be looking at a couple different metrics or data points. Some of the pros for manual would be that you can optimize towards a bigger picture. You don't have to guess whether um, something is having a good impact or bad impact based on the change that you made. You can go into the data and look at it. You don't have changes going on every single day, all throughout the day, hours throughout the day. You have much more control, much more specific changes that are happening and you're able to see the impact of those much more clearly. Whereas with automation, you have a whole bunch of changes going on. It'd be a lot harder to read what kind of impact those changes are having. Some of the cons for automation would be that you can't use external data. You can't use things like sentiment or it doesn't take into account like price changes or coupons or uh, increased timeframes for conversion. Like there's a lot of things like that with automation that it doesn't necessarily take into effect. For example, Coming out of Prime Day, you your algorithm, your automation tool may be referencing the previous 30 days or previous 14 days worth of data, whereas you know intuitively if you're making manual bid changes, you would account for that drop in conversion rates that you'd see after Prime Day. So you don't necessarily have all of the inputs um, going into the automation, which kind of limits what you can do there. And then cons for manual, in my opinion, I guess the, the biggest one would be that it's labor intensive, takes a lot of time. Uh, to go through and make a bunch of manual changes. Uh, e even if you're using bulk sheets, if you're, if you're definitely, if you're going through campaigns one by one and making manual bid adjustments that way. So there, there's a lot of pros and cons to each. Uh, Steven, do you want to touch on any of these and, and dive into uh, one of these a little more further? Yeah, I think that that pro you mentioned on, on the manual optimization side of <clears throat> being able to optimize towards the bigger picture is important because, uh, I know that for us personally, a big, big decision point that goes into our bidding optimizations when we're running everything, like we're, we're using primarily, our, our primary metric is revenue per click. And then sometimes we factor in conversion rates, AOV, um, but revenue per click is certainly kind of the, the guiding uh, star for us in making those optimizations. But we don't, 
exclusively without, without any question or doubt, go with RPC. We factor in a couple of other things based on client goals. Um, if they're more concerned about ACOS coming up versus sales falling, you know, that's something that we kind of, in our optimizations, we have something that we call the sentiment variable, uh, which is essentially just how does the client feel or how do you feel uh, if it's your own account about the overall performance? Because our changes always look a little bit different um, when, when making bid optimizations, if we're spend is pacing a little bit hot or sales are pacing a little bit slow, you know, those are all going to be things that are going to help us think through, okay, at which threshold am I going to begin optimizing keywords bid? You know, like if ACOS is way too high, we're, we're just going to say, okay, anything above the target, we're going to go. If ACOS is doing great, then we'll raise that threshold on the high ACOS keywords where it's only if it's like say 20% above our target, will we optimize those? We don't want to risk losing sales on the other ones that are only over target by a little bit. And so every single time we run these uh, bid optimizations, the data, the inputs all looks slightly different. It's slightly tweaked. Now we are kind of automating it in a sense because we've, uh, you know, we've built Excel macros to, to speed this process up. We've just given ourselves more inputs, more controls. Um, you know, the type of data that we're feeding into the algorithm is also going to be important. That, and we'll talk about that later in the second point here on actual time frame selection, date range selection, but. Yeah, what Andrew and I have been working on too is is not just these macros, but building um, a much more detailed program that, I mean, what we're essentially trying to accomplish, I guess, when we look at all of these uh, these spectrums here is we're, we're trying to find ourselves, we're trying to get ourselves a tool that can help us land in the sweet spot between, we don't want to, you know, even if I could build what I thought was the best, most perfect logic in a bidding algorithm, even I wouldn't want to fully automate it. Because every single, like every single, you know, if I want to run it weekly, every single week something's going to be a little bit different. I need to make a couple minor tweaks around prioritizing a cost improvement versus prioritizing sales improvement versus understanding, um, you know, fluctuations like perhaps prices, uh, products were on discounts or had lightning deals or whatever. Or you're coming out of Prime Day and that source and data that, that or products going out of stock. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of that. And what you call it, Andrew, is external data, basically data that's not reflected in your bulk sheets, which you're downloading, or even if you're connected to an API, just like the last 30 days of data, all this other stuff that's not factored in. So, so the solution here, I think, is kind of a semi-automatic approach to management. And also kind of coming off that, that negative keywords episode, you know, we said that our criteria for, for looking at negative keyword candidates is a lot of the time the same as what everyone else is just automating. We just don't want to fully automate it because we'd rather have some rules set up that flag these keywords that we can then look at and see, okay, is the is the high ACOS issue on this because the bid was too high or is it actually an irrelevant keyword and allow us to like, you know, have some automations that automatically flag it, but then they don't actually just get, get negated until we get a chance to review them, do some deeper analysis, perhaps identify larger trends, all that kind of stuff. So I do think that semi-automatic approach is probably the best solution for, for most managers to, to find that sweet spot between taking all the pros of automation, which is going to be saving you some time, perhaps giving you the ability to build some really sophisticated uh, rules and logic, but then you're also getting on the manual side, the pros, which is better performance, being able to incorporate data outside of just what the API, uh, just what the ad console is showing. And so you can both save time and maximize performance. Anything you want to add to that, Andrew, while I try to fix my uh, my thing I just broke here? No, that's, that's good. That's beautiful. Really great uh, representation of 
that full spectrum of different methods of managing bids and ads on Amazon. You have the automatic solutions, you have the manual solutions, and you got to find that that middle ground where, where you feel comfortable that allows you to get the best performance as well as meet your other goals and other lifestyle goals of, of things that you know you want to achieve. If you want more time, you want to save more time, you're not too particularly worried about the you know manual bid optimizations that you could you know squeeze out some better performance with, uh, that's fine. So you got to find where you fall in that. Um, we tend to kind of lean towards more manual, but want to have tools that help us save time and kind of negate the the constraints of uh, the manual optimization process, which is it being laborsome and time intensive. So without, with all that being said, let's move on to topic number two, uh, spectrum number two, which is date range selection. So for date range, time frame selection, when you're looking at your data, the two sides of the spectrum are essentially long time frame and data confidence and short time frame data relevance. So you could think of this as if it was a bulk sheet, you could download up to like the last 60 days of data, or you know if you're just optimizing from like the, the ad console or something, I mean, you could look at lifetime or year to date data, pick, pick a really, really long date range. And what that, the benefit there is going to be is you're gonna have a lot of clicks, uh, a lot of traffic, a lot of conversion rates, a lot of information to optimize to give you high confidence just because of the sheer amount of volume that you have there. Uh, and on the other side, you're going to have data relevance because what happened months to date or in the last two weeks is probably a lot more relevant to the trends of your account and to where performance is headed versus looking at you know the lifetime performance of the last 60 days, especially if you're just coming out of a, of a big seasonality period. And so you know if you go way too far on the other side of the spectrum of data relevance, you don't want to just be looking at the last couple of days sometimes even just the last seven days can be too small because you could have something with like say 10 clicks and maybe it got three conversions. Well, that's kind of hinting at like a 30% conversion rate, which might be a little bit inflated. If you were to look at that same keyword over the past 60 days, you'd see that out of you know a thousand clicks, it converted on an average of 10%. So that's gonna be where, where you can get thrown off when you get to the really relevant data. Sometimes you just don't have enough data to really optimize on. So I think a good example of this, Andrew, and you know, we a couple episodes ago, we were talking about how we may manage our post prime day optimizations. And for, I, I mentioned for all, for my accounts, what I did was I took the past 60 days of data, including prime day. And then I threw in an anticipated conversion rate decrease from the whole 60 day timeframe. So I still optimized the bids based off of the, those past 60 days. But then I threw in one extra variable, which was anticipated conversion rate drop and adjusted bids accordingly using previous year's data to see how those conversion rates drop from one to the next. And again, this is a good example of where, um, where that manual management kind of comes into play because most automated solutions aren't gonna be able to do that. And so when we did that, we got really good results on all of our accounts, except for one that you and I were co-managing. And <laughs> we saw that we didn't see the the, the performance that we ca that came out of it wasn't kind of what we were expecting. So we optimized it, we gave it seven days, and we saw that the, uh, the ACoS really jumped on this one account in particular. And we realized that for this account in particular, because they had such a massive catalog, products ranging from all over from $5 products to several hundred dollar products, AOVs all over the place, 
um, deals and discounts all over the place, especially with the prime day data. None of that 60 day data was really super relevant for, for a good chunk of their, of their products. For some of their products, it was fine, but for a big percentage of the catalog, um, those, the last 60 days just, just weren't cutting it. You know, the conversion rates and AOVs all jumped way too wildly for, for a good part of the catalog. So we ended up having to pivot and around 10 days after prime day, we looked at just the last 10 days of performance since prime day. And we ran those bid optimizations again, using the last 10 days, which we're going to have a lot less data here, especially with a large catalog, things can get a little bit more thin spread. But we wanted, we prioritized the data relevance over the data confidence, and we saw significantly better results when we did that, and we were finally right on target. So, any, I mean, what do you? I, I don't know if you had any other accounts that that you were working on. Um, those are just some that I know you and I were talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good example of where you would want to factor in the anticipated conversion rates that you're going to be seeing and use data that most represents the conversion rates you're expecting to see over the next period between this optimization and the next. And for this example, looking, we, we had such strong performance on Prime Day and leading into Prime Day, our conversion rates were definitely heavily inflated due to that increased traffic and conversions that we were seeing. And so including Prime Day and that lead-in and Prime Day in that data selection likely skewed our conversion rates much higher than uh, th- than we would have seen and could even anticipate or w- that we accounted for in our optimizations. That conversion rate drop just wasn't big enough. We didn't anticipate such a drop in our conversions. So um, this is just one example. We're picking that more relevant data that, that is uh, most applicable to the upcoming timeframe could help you dial in that performance a little bit further. But the thing that you run into here is, or you don't have enough data to make confident optimizations off of, or like on a like individual keyword level, you may not have generated enough data to make op- optimizations. And so what would you say to something like that, Steven? Like, you know, you're if you're running on a shorter timeframe, you may not have all the data you need to make a bid change on a particular keyword. What what type of recommendations would you make for people in that sort of situation? Yeah, that's a great question. And we kind of will come back to that in that fourth spectrum uh, where we're going to talk about data aggregation versus data segregation. But without getting in, into that just yet, I, I would say in this scenario, you try to take your super low click data uh, keywords. You know, this one's got four clicks, no sales, five clicks, no sales. And you know, typically on average, it takes 10 clicks for you to get a sale. So you don't necessarily want to cut bids on these just yet, but you know, in total, they're all, you know, adding up to a lot of wasted ad spend. So what we would want to do in that scenario is we would want to start kind of manually aggregating some of this data to kind of find out, okay, on average for all of these low click keywords, what's the overall A cost for these and what should the average cost per click be? And, and you can even start factoring your ad group data. So it's like, how is this ad group doing overall? to kind of give you a little bit more context for what each individual keywords bit should be at. And so that's something that, that we also had to do for, for this account in order to, to solve that. When we were just looking at just the last 10 days, you know, some of these ad groups have, you know, a few hundred keywords in them. And so when all that's spread out pretty thin, your clicks are spread pretty thin, you don't necessarily have enough data for each individual keyword, but at the ad group level, we have enough data to kind of inform the rest of our keyword bid. So that's certainly a bit more complex 
but again, that's why we built some, some tools that automate that for us. And, um, that, that automatically will like reference the ad group performance. If a keyword is in a low, low bid kind of state, Andrew, I had one quick question for you. Have you ever used, do you ever use less than seven days of data? for making like optimization? Not often. I wouldn't say I use that very often. Um, seven days is usually like the minimum where I'm looking at um, performance and making changes based on what, what I'm seeing. But um, if you're in like a launch scenario or you just launch some campaigns and they're not getting delivery or maybe they're delivering a little bit too aggressively, I mean, you could make adjustments, but it, in the first like few days, but generally I would say that you're going to be increasing any bids in that time frame um, to try to get things ramped up. Um, so yeah, I don't typically look at stuff less than seven days unless it's something that's getting a ton of volume. Like if there's a ton of volume coming through in three days, then I can make some informed decisions on that than I can. But yeah. it really just depends. Um, seven days is typically the minimum that I'm looking at, but in some cases, I guess you you kind of have to drill down a little bit further, but it's usually specific and and related to like a new campaign launch or something like that. Yeah, I'd probably agree with you there. I don't I don't think I ever optimize based on fewer than seven days of data, except for if in the past seven days, you know, something really seems to have gone wrong. I'll perhaps zone in on just like the last three or four days but I'm not doing, you know, full bulk file across like all of these targets based off of just like, you know, the past four or five days of data. I'm usually just trying to find there's, there's probably just one or two or three keywords that is just a, a big outlier um, that, yeah, over the past three days, this one keyword, something went crazy and this thing spent 300 bucks and didn't get a sale. And I, and I see it, I'm like, okay, yeah, that keyword should actually be bidding down here or something like that. So for anything shorter than seven days, I'm not doing a bulk file. Uh, I don't, I think for anything that I'm going to be doing in bulk for an entire account is going to, and that's actually something else that's really good. I think worth mentioning. If you are using a shorter time frame, you should be adjusting kind of your targets too. So like usually the last seven days, everything's going to have a slightly higher ACOS than, than what would be on, like I say, a 30 day time frame, And that's just because of the attribution delay, you know, sales people can click on a product and it's the sales still don't get attributed for the next like 24, 48 hours. So the ACOS is going to be a little bit higher. And so that's a good example where if your target ACOS is 30% and if I'm looking at the last 30 or 60 days, I can totally just say, Hey, anything over 30%, that's probably going to have a pretty, a lot of click traffic on it and we can make pretty good informed decisions there. But if the, if I'm just looking at the last seven days and you know, ACOS for the whole thing is like at 35% and my target's 30 I might only optimize the items that are over 35 or over 40% ACOS, knowing that with the attribution that should come down a little bit, I'm just trying to be a little bit preemptive here, optimize some, some keywords that even with the attribution delay, they have no reason being up at 50 to 60% ACOS. I know something's going wrong there. And so, you know, that's, that's just another good example of, of where that managerial input is needed. And you kind of have to have that, that sense, that, that intuition to kind of pick your date range and then tweak your algorithm, tweak your, your bidding formulas to account for all these different things that you know when you're using a shorter time frame, your ACOS is going to look a little bit higher, so you have to raise some thresholds, blah, blah, blah. Uh, going back to something you said earlier, Andrew, and I thought this was a good point. You talked about, you kind of hinted at, you want to pick your source data or, or your time frame that you think most accurately reflects 
the future period. And I think that's a really good point because that's that's essentially what this kind of boils down to. And again, part of why we're not a big fan of like the full automation is because usually those solutions are just fixed time frame. We're always looking at the last 30 days. Um, some of them are a little bit better. Some of them will do some, you know, kind of multi time frames. will say, hey, we have 60 days and 30 days and last 14 days. And they'll use, they'll kind of average across all of them or, or do something like that. But even that, we the the awaiting that you that you're placing, you know, maybe someone's writes an algorithm where um, I know one tool in particular does this, but as the time frame gets shorter and shorter and shorter, it incrementally places more and more weight on the shorter time frame. But again, things can break if you you know that for the last two days or for the for the last weekend or whatever, you had some crazy deals going on those products, and so performance was a little bit inflated. And now that you know immediately following that that the performance is going to drop off a little bit. The AOV is going to change. The conversion rate is going to change. So that source data in that scenario, you would actually want to decrease the amount of weight that was placed on the last week when you had that lightning deal going or whatever was going on and place more emphasis on all of the other, all the data from those other date ranges. So Andrew, can you provide any other like tips or context for how people can think through picking the most likely data to reflect the future performance? I think what you just summed up there is like the difference between an automation and manual is that automation is reactive and manual, you can be predictive and you can be anticipatory or you can anticipate change. Whereas our algorithm necessarily can't necessarily do that. So it's it, like in that scenario you mentioned where, you know, you had a sale running and your conversion rates were hyperinflated for a couple of days, that algorithm would start increasing your bids um, after it sees that performance within the last two days, but the sale ended and then the third and fourth and fifth day, your bids are still high because it's looking at that increased inflated conversion rate, but it doesn't know that your sale ended. And so it should have right. cut your bids back. But manually, you would know if you're managing bids manually, you would know that that sale is coming to an end. It's time to pull back. We don't need to be making increases based on the good performance we saw in those two days. Um, we actually need to be... Re- you know, retracting those bids back because we're anticipating, uh, you know, worse performance. So that was a, a good point that you made there. And um, just wanted to kind of sum it up with that. that that's kind of what I took away from from what you were saying and, and how I can see the difference between automation and manual there. Um, but as far as your question, they asked me picking the right source data. Gosh, man, it's, it's so it's so nuanced. And that like, Sometimes I'll be looking at like individual campaigns or individual keyword performance or and, and picking, you know, date range selections based on that. Um, but yeah, I, I think the the point being like what the the date range you select versus what you're anticipating being close to the same. You know your business better than anybody else and kind of the seasonal 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 trends that you see. Uh better than anybody else, better than I can say on this podcast. So (laughs) I don't really have any other tips other than that. It's just try to see what, like maybe last year, what performance you had leading out of Prime Day, what what kind of conversion rates were you seeing then? And then how can you incorporate that into your optimizations this year, kind of coming out of Prime Day or, you know, different timeframes, pockets of seasonality? Like how did it look last year? What kind of uh, increases in conversion did we see or decreases in conversion did we see last year? So referencing previous date ranges is a good a good tip maybe to to start looking for you know ways you could things you could incorporate into your thinking of how you're selecting the date the data for your optimizations yeah. so 
Yeah, I know for uh, another account that you and I were, were kind of co-working on when in a time of recording here, it's it's uh, just the beginning of August. So I was making a ton of bid optimizations looking into August. Um, July was a pretty hot month for us. Things were, were really strong and I wanted to increase a ton of bids, but I'm like, wait, we're going into August. What does their performance look like in August? Do things slow down? Like, you know, keep in mind seasonality of all these things. So we had to look at last August and look at a few different individual products and say, how did August perform for them? And, you know, things were relatively like uh, steady. Um, I, I forget they might have conversion rates might have increased or decreased just slightly, but that gave me some confidence in being able to use, you know, the past 30, 60 days um, for this account in particular, we choose to use 60 days because the average conversion rate is like one to 2%. Uh, and so it takes a lot of clicks in order to, uh, to, to really see performance. And so that's another example of like, you know, depending on your product, depending on like your average time to conversion, average number of clicks needed for conversion. If you do have an account with super high AOV products with one to 2% conversion rate, uh, you're probably going to want to pick longer date ranges so that you can really see that because if, you know, if you're just looking at the last seven days, likely your A cost is going to be crazy and, you know, you're going to have a ton of stuff. So the other thing with that is one thing I, I guess just to keep in mind is it could have been for this account, it wasn't, but it could have been that if I looked at last year, August, their conversion rates, conversion rates might've been really low, but it might've just been really low for the whole year. And that year over year conversion rates are up because all of these products were launching last year and one year later, they all have significantly better reviews. So, you know, if you are referencing data from like a year ago to see exactly how performance trends from month to month, you may also want to keep in mind like how the products have grown, you know, everything that was different from last year versus this year. So this is all, there is no SOP here is, is kind of what we're trying to get to with this, uh, with this conversation is, is we're not, we're not saying that there's, you know, do things this way or that way. We are saying you have to develop this intuition. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of experience. You know, hopefully you're getting exposure working with many accounts. If you're just managing your own advertising account, it's probably going to be more difficult because you're not exposed to all these other trends and niches and niches, however people like to pronounce that word. So, um, yeah, that is, I think, kind of the the best way to describe date range selection. You just you really got to use your noggin. Think through which when you're picking your 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 source data, which is ultimately going to be feeding into your output uh, once you run your bid calculations, your negative keyword harvesting or your keyword harvesting, whatever, you wanna be thinking through all those things. So let's jump into our next time frame spectrum, sorry, I should say. Let's jump into that next spectrum, which is over aggregation versus over segregation. So the important thing to know about this spectrum is that there are there's two kind of beliefs that people operate under who manage Amazon ads. There's people who are wanting to have full absolute control, want to know every keyword that's in every campaign, um, and they want to know that that keyword isn't sparsed out through everywhere throughout their uh, ad account. And then there are the people who want to give over control to Amazon's algorithm because they believe that, you know, if they do that, they get preferential treatment, they win placements more frequently, they tap into the, the algorithm and the benefit that Amazon has built and allow that to scale their, their account for them. So there's these two different beliefs that people sometimes operate under. 
Now you can fall towards the spectrum of allowing Amazon to manage a lot of your bidding and changes in your account. So an example of that would be having dynamic up and down turned on as your bidding strategy. This would allow Amazon to bid up or down on certain placements that it perceives you as being a potential purchase opportunity for this customer. That would be an example of giving Amazon more control. The inverse of that would be taking back full control and not allowing Amazon to increase your bids or decrease your bids based on likelihood of winning a sale or winning a placement. Uh, and that would be using fixed bids where you are you know that you're only going to pay up to this amount uh, on a particular click. So that's the opposite of having Amazon you know, have some control. Uh, another example would be having all auto campaigns or all like whether you have, you know, single product ad groups or mixed product ad groups, just dumping all your products into auto campaigns, giving it a full budget and letting it run and letting Amazon deliver your ads wherever, whichever keywords it seems it sees as uh, viable for that product. That's another uh, example of giving Amazon full control. And so you can see how like you wouldn't want to fall to one side or the other. We personally abide by the principle that we can use both aspects of having a lot of control over our ads, as well as giving Amazon some uh, flexibility within our bidding. And there's a lot of different ways that we can do that via our placements and uh, placement modifications and bidding strategies, a lot of things like that, that we can take back control or give up control to Amazon. There's there's ways we can kind of oscillate the level of control that we want to give. But we we also have like different strategies where these these two ends of the spectrum play hand in hand, where we use the algorithmic benefit of auto campaigns and to find new keywords. And then we pull that into manual campaigns where, we, where the, we're in the manager full control segment of the account. So there's these two, these two different forces at play in our account that both have their place and both um, allow for different levels of flexibility in, in your spend and your bids and placements. And it's important to find that, that balance there between how much control you wanna give Amazon versus how much control you wanna have in your own back pocket and, and knowing what levers you can pull to push you to one side or the other of the spectrum. And this allows you to kind of test whether it's better to have Amazon, you know, increasing your play, bids for placements um, or if it's better for you to have, you know, fixed bids and just just only be uh, dialed, dialed in and not allowing any flexibility or um, nuance to your bidding. Yeah, but I think it really kind of boils down to is and now that I'm thinking about it, we, we probably should have we did we did a pros con section for the automation versus manual. We should have done a pros con section for each of these spectrums of of what each side of the spectrum has to offer you. Because what we're ultimately trying to do is get the pros of each side with none of the cons, um, or at least minimizing the cons. So yep. the pros of of leaning into Amazon's control and giving them more control. Like we have seen accounts where they just have all their products in like a single auto campaign with dynamic up and down only, and it just works. And like they've they've basically had no management in it whatsoever, but they've just been having this one campaign running for like two or three years and their sales have continued to grow. Uh, obviously, it's going to require that you have pretty decent products and product listings and all that kind of stuff. But just over time, as their sales have grown, Amazon's algorithm, I mean, this is a tech giant. This is a massive company, I forget their market cap, but I think it's like 2 trillion or something, I don't know. 
but massive, massive tech company with some of the smartest, most brilliant engineers behind all of their search engine. And you're not going to be able to outsmart them. Like you're not going to be able to be smarter than what these guys are doing. And their main goal is to drive sales. So they want to sell as many products as possible. So you are aligned in some sense that Amazon benefits if you sell more. So they're going to try to help you sell more as long as it's, as long as you're able to like, if you're outperforming your peers, you know, with conversion rates and sales volume, they will give you preferential treatment because the more you sell, the more they make, and they want to give their customers the best shopping experience. And so tapping into that algorithm is going to be helpful. But on the other hand, Amazon's not necessarily your friend. And whereas, you know, if you're selling a lot more, you're going to make them more money. They also just want to make more money than you, regardless of whether or not you're selling, you know, so they're going to be trying to encourage you to spend more as much as you can and increase those CPCs as much as you can. So Amazon, Amazon, Amazon is not going to uh, lower your bid. If you accidentally place a hundred dollar or $50 bid on something that's just spending out the wazoo, they're not your friend. They aren't going to stop you from doing that. Well, we even saw this. I mean, I, I left a comment on LinkedIn about this, but a long, long time ago when I was first getting going, on Amazon, the max bid for a sponsored product campaign was like $20 or like $25. So you couldn't bid more than that. That was the ceiling. And I haven't had to use that ceiling for a while, but I checked again what the ceiling was recently and it was $1,000. Amazon will let you go up to $1,000 of a bid before they say that's the max, which is crazy. And part of me wonders if they're just hoping someone a couple of people accidentally make a typo on their bulk sheets, like instead of doing 10.00, they missed that dot and they bid a thousand dollars instead of ten dollars, and as long as two people bid that, you've now got a second price auction paying a thousand dollars a click. So, I mean, yeah, Amazon is—they're not—they're not necessarily incentivized to make you profitable. Um, to a certain extent, they hope you're profitable so that you keep giving them your business. But at the end of the day, they're always looking out for themselves. Um, we saw that in the first quarter this year, and probably also the second quarter. Their earnings is coming up in a bit, but they've been able to offset stagnant sales growth by just increasing the media spend. And so Amazon, the total business has seen revenue growth on AMS and AWS, despite online sales being flat, which means all other sellers are no longer, you know, maybe their sales aren't growing, but they're having to pay out of pocket to maintain those sales a lot more because of what Amazon's doing. So all that to be said, we do, we don't want to give Amazon total control. And so the sweet spot somewhere in between, I think that's why dynamic bids down only is a popular choice for a lot of people where they'll let Amazon decrease the bids if they think if Amazon's algorithm thinks that there's a lower chance of conversion here for this product and keyword or whatever. So yeah, that the the sweet spot somewhere in between where for you and me, Andrew, what that looks like is that looks like we don't negate converting search terms from auto campaigns when we harvest them into manual. Uh, we won't go into more detail on that since we did a full episode on that. You can go back to our keyword harvesting episode, but that's part of the rationale there is that we want to give those auto campaigns as much room to breathe and to receive some of that algorithmic benefit, perhaps preferential treatment that comes from Amazon when you give them more control. But we, at the same time, we want to keep our manual campaigns, uh, do those manual bidding adjustments, try to keep things on down only so that we're only ever telling Amazon the maximum we're willing to pay, and then we can we can cut back from there. But Andrew, anything else to add to that? I think I kind of just rambled for a bit. 
No, that's good. That's a good uh, segue there. I tend there. to do that, huh? You you do, and I love it. it I always learn something. I'm sure everybody <laughs> gets to, to gets to learn something from you. Um, but yeah, that's a great a great uh, example. And yeah, I mean, ultimately, we want to continue to deploy both ends of that spectrum for different reasons. Um, with the manager full control, trying to get towards more specificity using things like exact match and fixed bids and that type of thing, or dynamic bids down only is like that sweet spot middle ground of, of full control plus Amazon control. Um, so yeah, I think there's a, a place for each and everyone's account. And it's important to know how to, how, where you fall on that spectrum and how to get to one side or the other based on your particular goals. Over aggregation, over segregation. Um, essentially what this kind of, what this is talking about is Aggregating your data, grouping things together can allow you to get bigger. It's very, I guess it's, it's very similar to that, uh, to the time frame thing where we're looking at data confidence, where when we aggregate data together, we have a lot more data to, to in, in one place, we have a lot better data confidence, but the trade-off there is we're not getting very specific. So here's a good example. Let's say you had one phrase match keyword in one campaign. This is your only thing that you have going on. I'm just gonna give an example to show people kind of how, where we can get here. So you got one phrase match keyword and your plan is you're just going to say, hey, anything that gets a, a click at all, I'm gonna convert over into an exact match campaign over here. And I'm just gonna be able to optimize all of these individually. And let's just say that one phrase match keyword gets 10 unique search terms. Each of those gets one click that equates to 10 now exact match keywords in that other campaign. You got 10 keywords there all with one click and only one of them got a sale. Now you don't necessarily know how you're going to optimize the bids on any of those keywords. Like, you know, this one got one click, no sale. Nine of them got one click, no sale. And only one of them got one click and one sale. And like, you can't really know how to optimize the bids for every single one of those individual keywords. But that phrase match keyword that has 10 clicks in one sale, we have a pretty good idea there. We, that's probably enough data for us to make an informed decision on what that bid should be. And so that's kind of an example where like that phrase match is aggregating data across 10 different search terms. And if you would hyper segmented it out where every single search term that comes through, you're going to create a new keyword for, that's going to be way too granular, way too specific. Now, you know, the, the bonus of that specificity is that you can identify which ones are converting versus not converting, but you run into the problem of, of being too specific where you just have really, really low data. You know, you kind of like, you dilute your data in that sense. So that di data dilution can certainly become a problem. Andrew, this is kind of going back to the, you know, we, we talked about campaign structure and that's probably where most of this is going to boil down to, but like, why don't you talk to us about, you know, some of these campaign structures and how people can think through, you know, cause that's kind of where this aggregation versus segregation is going to be found in their data is essentially how they're setting up their campaign. So why don't you kind of talk to us a little bit about that? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So this is a, this is a big topic. Um, we, we've already kind of shared a little bit of our approach to campaign setup, campaign structure, and this is part of why we, tend to lean the direction we do with campaign structure towards single product ad groups as opposed to, you know, single keyword, single key, uh, single, uh, sorry, single product campaigns, single keyword campaigns. We, we prefer SPAGs because it allows us to have that aggregated data across different segments of our uh, catalog. So we have our campaigns either broken out by 
parent product or category. And then we have our products within that category inside that campaign. And we're able to see kind of an aggregated view very easily within our ad account, like how different categories are doing, how different parent entities are doing. You're able to get that kind of overarching view um, from just looking at the campaign level. Whereas if you were to use single keyword campaigns or single product campaigns, you would have to look at a variety of different campaigns to get uh, the overarching performance data across a category. And there, you know, there's tools that allow you to kind of tag and, and do things to where you don't have to do a lot of manual work to actually get those overarching averages. But just for our purposes, single product ad groups have, have worked the best for us, allow us to structure accounts the way we want and um, has become our default for campaign structure. And if you want to learn more about that, go back and watch the campaign structure video. It's full of a lot of uh, really good value that um, will break down this a little bit more and allow you to learn some, some stuff on that. But uh, just as an example, let's say, let's say we have an account that is selling, uh, let's say they have 10,000 SKUs. Okay, I have an account that, that's like this. They have 10,000 SKUs. They have a ton of different products. They have, um, you know, their core parent entities, but they have different sizes and different colors for all of them. And they have a wide range of sizes. So for every parent, there may be like 200 different child ASINs. Um, and so for that example, the only difference is the color and the size uh, between those products. So in this scenario, I wouldn't necessarily want to break out everything by single product campaigns and then especially not single product, single keyword campaigns where I'll have every single keyword broken out into its own into its own campaign where data is extremely segregated, right? Um, where, you know, that would be way too hard to manage, especially with so many products. You think about how many keywords each product targets and then breaking that out into individual campaigns for, you know, several hundred products. It could get very granular, very complicated. And there are actually some software tools that do that agnostic of how many products are in your catalog. So um, that would be an example of over segregation based on your campaign structure. And what I did in, in this scenario, just using some logic and like general you know, just trying to think through this, like that, that wouldn't work super well. Even single product campaigns wouldn't work super well because then I have like 10,000 campaigns for every single child ASIN and that's way too much to manage. And so what I actually got down to was breaking it out by product category or product category and subcategory. So there was like, like overarching category for the, for the products. And then there was like, you know, sub models of, of what they were selling. And so we, we kind of broke it out that way and that made it really easy for reporting. And so all that to be said, all that, all that data for that one parent entity, for that one parent ASIN was all aggregated at that one campaign level or two campaigns. Let's say I had an auto and a manual campaign. I could just search that category or subcategory and see the performance across that parent entity, which is really what's important most for most clients is like if they have that many products, they're not like worried about how the size two did compared to the size three color, you know, variation. They're more so just interested in, you know, what's the overall performance for that, that parent product, for that model, for that style of product. So using single product ad groups allowed us to aggregate that data in a way that was more compelling, more, um, more, it told, told a better story because we had all the products kind of lumped into one and we're able to see overall performance, make decisions based on that. 
um, and and identify which you know which sizes and colors and everything like that within the campaign were performing best and make optimizations there. So this is kind of that example in real time in real life of of where you could get over segregated um, or you could you know if if I would have went the other direction and went all auto campaigns and you know no segmentation at ad group level that would be like an example of over aggregation. So. You can swing to to different ends of the spectrum there for campaign structure. And um, a lot of this really does boil down, like you said, to what the structure is that you go into with into an account with uh, really dictates the aggregation of your data or how segregated it's actually going to be as you get down the line over time, as you're doing more optimizations and harvesting, like how segregated is it? It all starts at the beginning of how you're setting up those campaigns. So just to recap, Andrew, for that for that account, <clears throat> did you do single product ad groups? Yes, did do single okay, product so that ad was a single, groups. Yeah. So I think we we like single product ad groups as a default. I think because for us that kind of falls somewhere on this, like in the middle of this spectrum of over aggregation versus over segregation. Where and again, go back to that other episode to to see why we think those single product ad groups are so important. But it's primarily to control the keyword to product correlation. However, you know, I, I've also mentioned in the past that I have uh, a merch by Amazon account where they have like 10,000 different products. So similar to your merch account with 10,000 products, but this is slightly different that this is a, a print on demand customer and all of their individual products have really, really low data, like or low volume, low traffic. And so in that case, if we did split everything into single product ad groups across all of those, the data would be way too thinly spread where each each individual SKU is only getting like 10 visits a month. And, and that's because they have, you know, for each design, they have, you know, 10 different colors, 20 different sizes or whatever. Um, and then they also have a hoodie version versus a long sleeve shirt version versus a short sleeve shirt version. So across all of those, any individual SKU is getting such low volume that, um, that we need to aggregate them. So, so that's my only account that is in multi-product ad groups where I made the decision there to aggregate some of that data by the design so that I can have enough data on each individual keyword to actually have an informed click. But on the other side, on the flip side, I've got another account with just 10 SKUs, but each of those individual SKUs has, you know, thousands of clicks a month, thousands of dollars in spend a month. And for those ones, we actually go one step above single product ad groups and we actually jump up to single product campaigns and get things just a little bit more segmented. And the primary reason for that is because we have enough volume that we can actually dial in our campaign settings. So our placement settings between top of search, rest of search, whatever, for each individual product based on that product's performance. But you know, to go too far to that would be like if what I see a lot of people do is they advocate for these single keyword campaigns, which can maybe work if you're doing it you know, with just like your top 10, top 20 keywords that have really high volume. But I've seen some people who will have like 5,000 single keyword campaigns and every single keyword is like exact match. This is also taking manager full control, um, going back to that spectrum that we just talked about between Amazon control versus manager control. So when, when people are doing that and they're just saying, you know, we're only going to do single keyword campaigns because maybe they only have one product or something like that. So I've got one product. I'm just going to put every single keyword in its own unique campaign so I can optimize the top search, rest of search for every individual one. But if you've got a keyword that only gets, you know, on average 10 or 15 clicks a month, 
and those 10 or 15 clicks is split across three different placements, you're not going to have enough data to optimize those placement settings. And it's just, and yeah, you're, you're going to run into some, some problems there. So that's getting overly segregated, um, way too specific where it's actually going to hurt you in the long run because you're diluting that data. And it's also just creating a ton of work. I mean, that's like the, like the other thing is like just managing daily budgets across all those campaigns, individual keywords is just so much work. That's going to like, you know, it's going to force you, you're probably not going to have the time to do all this manually. So it's going to force you to rely more heavily on automation. And at that point, it's kind of like, you're kind of fighting against yourself there because you're trying to be hyper-specific, but you're sur- and, and trying to be in control, but then you're surrendering that control to an automation because you've just created way too much work for yourself to, to manage it. So rather than that, like, you know, we have to find that sweet spot between we're being specific to the point where it's driving incremental performance. Like we're incrementally collecting unique data that allows us to make informed decisions and therefore better optimizations. That's the degree of specificity that we want to get to. The minute that specificity becomes like too much to where your data is just becoming less and less and and thinner and thinner uh, is where you want to cut that off. And so all of this, the, the design here is to, give you guys just uh, some things to think through when determining how do you group by what, yeah, how are you going to group all your stuff together? Group your data, group your products, group your keywords. You want to group them. And that's why they're, they're called ad groups for a reason, but you want to group them by similar performance. So you don't want to have a hundred dollar AOV product with a $10 AOV product in the same ad group because the performance is going to be way too different um, because the conversion rates are different. So the price points are different. Your keyword bids are going to want to be different. So you, that would be a, a poor decision. And so you don't, you don't want to make smarter groupings and then sometimes ungroup things and, and segment them out. So uh, I fear I'm starting to be a little bit repetitive. Andrew, You're why good. don't you save me here and <laughs> throw in some thoughts? You're good. No, I, I just was, I always think about this going into it. I think of, of Amazon ads, almost like a, a folder structure. Like I was going to set up on my uh, desktop or something like your portfolios are your folder for your campaigns and your campaigns are your folder for your ad groups and your ad groups are your folder for your ads and your keywords. And so going into this, you got to kind of think of like, what's that folder structure going to look like? And what's that click path going to be like to get me to these different segments of my account that I may be interested in. And you got to think through like how, like what are some of the metrics and things that I'm going to have to report out and report on and what type of, what type of campaign structure is going to allow for that breakout of data and you need to have that going into how you set up your campaigns. And if you, if you cross all those boxes and you evaluate all those things and you think through logically, like long-term what's going to be most beneficial for you and allow you, you know, the, the, the best, best experience and best performance and best ease of management. And uh, you're able to dive into account and make, educated decisions most easily, that's the one you should choose. Um, so I love that. And um, this is a great topic. I think one thing I will just finish with is I think that there is a stigma that over segregation is actually good. And that is like, like they, I, I feel like on LinkedIn, in Amazon, PPC, everyone kind of has this idea that over segregation is like better and that it that if you are over segregating your campaigns and your keywords that you're more advanced than someone who is more on the aggregation into the spectrum and i feel like that is just 
like so far from the truth. And we got to kind of get away from that and, and try to really explain the nuance between the two and not just default to thinking that just because something is broken out at a single product campaign or a single keyword campaign, that means that it's like better set up or, um, you know, just better in general, but are going to yeah. deliver better performance even because that's not always the case because I see accounts that are hyper segregated, but they don't have a competent ad manager that's able to go in and actually manage things. They don't have the data, you know, selection to be able to make informed decisions because it's over segregated. So it, it all depends about the person driving, uh, steering the account. And you got to, if it's over segregated, you better be like a hyper competent ad manager. Otherwise it's going to be very difficult for you to know or pull the right levers or even know what's going on. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a great point, Andrew, too, about, um, I think, yeah, a lot of people taking a lot of pride in this super complex, super specific, super segregated structure. And kind of what we're saying here is there's a time and place for that, but you don't have to choose between a single campaign. That's an auto catch all and every single keyword in your account gets its own campaign. Like, those are two opposite sides of the spectrum and either one of those is bad. So what we're trying to do is help you guys think through, you know, every single account is going to be different. Every So you might be a little bit more segregated on one account and a little more aggregated on another account. And you might be giving Amazon a little more control in the one that's a little more ag aggregated and you might want to take on a little more control in the one that's a little more segregated but you got to think through kind of on the spectrum of, of where it makes the most sense for you to land, which structure you're going to use, kind of understanding how much traffic comes through on your keywords and your niche, understanding your own performance, conversion rates, understanding the client's goals and needs. So this is where you, you need to exercise and develop that sixth sense, that intuition that's ultimately going to allow you to make these decision points around what's the right structure, how much control does Amazon, am I going to give Amazon versus how much control do I want to have? What date range am I going to be looking at when I put through this optimization? What type of rules do I feel comfortable automating versus which ones do I want to keep doing manually? And there's probably a lot more spectrums that we could add here. These were just kind of the ones that first came to top of mind when we were thinking about how much this intuition comes into play. And I mean, you can just see with all of these things, I think Andrew, you mentioned there are there are tools out there that's like a one-click single keyword campaign creator, single product campaign creator, and and you just like upload your ASIN sheet and it just goes boom and just like you know creates a thousand single product campaigns for you. That might not be the structure that makes sense for your account, you know, like um, or so. Yeah, all this stuff you like you need to use common sense, or maybe it's not so common. Uh, so that's why it's called <laughs> we're calling it the sixth sense. But these are just all the things that you need to think through. And if you guys subscribe to our channel, we'll, uh, we'll help you think through it too. <laughs> That's right. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you got some value from this video. Steven, are we, are we good to wrap? Yeah, we, we know we, uh, since we said, since episode 10, we were saying we were going to uh, pull the plug on this if we didn't hit our subscriber goal. We hit it. Sure. Thank you guys. means Ooh. a lot to us. Uh, so let's get to a thousand subscribers by episode 20 or we pull the plug. <laughs> really expecting some exponential growth here from you guys. Tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your dad, even your grandpa that that Amazon podcast is where it's at. And we will see you next time. Peace out.